Good evening. Welcome to Coruscant this evening. If you're joining us online or you're here, great to have you with us. And uh, we're going to sing our first hymn, our first song. And it has this phrase, the ancient of days, uh, a number of times crops up. It really means before days were. So we're, we're talking about the God who pre-existed creation, uh, pre-existed time. He is the eternal God. And he is our God. And uh, Psalm 90 says this, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And God himself says through Isaiah, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And, and knowing this about God is well, it's what gives us great peace. And as the song explores in the chaos around us, in our darkest times, in the future that seems uncertain to us, uh, we haven't got the God who needs propping up. Uh, we've got the God who faith and trust is well placed in him, for he's the Ancient of Days. So encourage ourselves as we sing this, but also sing it to each other, that we might encourage each other in this truth. Let's stand to sing.
um, introduce the, the short series that we're hoping to do in the evening and introduce the readings that uh, I'm going to read from this evening as well. I'm hoping to do a, a short series in the evening on the senses. So Bible teaching that relates to our senses. Um, I made all five, not quite sure yet. Uh, tonight it's going to be touch, hence the title. Um, I'm also planning to do sight in two weeks' time. I want to just flag that up. Um, because I'm especially uh, wanting to think about the use of our eyes in the, um, a, an image-flooding age, where um, in the internet age there's such enticing and lustful images so prevalent, and I'm hoping that we'll look at um, some of the help from the Bible um, on the whole area of pornography as part of that um, evening when we're thinking of sight so pornography is such a, a plague, such a menace, such a sad feature, uh, such an enticement to many in uh, the society in which we live. And I thought it would be good to have some biblical perspective to help us on that. Um, so I thought I'd mention that tonight uh, so that parents can decide in terms of who comes. Um, it's so great to have uh, children and young children here Sunday evening, getting them in good habits. We're so thrilled to see them. Um, and indeed, on a subject like that, you know, they hit it, you know, pretty young these days. So to, to be thinking through these issues uh, can be helpful. But uh, it may not be the evening for younger children. You might find that afterwards you get questions over supper that you didn't really plan to have. So if I mention it now, then parents can uh, make their own judgment about two weeks' time. That's the 17th. Um, I've got it on the 17th because um, I've got a little bit more space that week and I just sense it's a sort of... Um, message that uh, will need to be thought through and sensitive and have time over. So that's why it's on two weeks' time. So today we're thinking about touch. Um, that's one of the senses that God has given us, touch. Uh, and it's probably more of a, more a part of our lives than we think. And um, there's probably more in the Bible on it than we may think. That's certainly how I've come to it as I've been looking at it this week. Um, it came out last week when Mark was preaching in Hebrews 12, uh, the mountain that cannot be touched. And we're going to look at it quite widely this evening. Uh, but before we have some readings, I just want to give you the chance to think through, perhaps talk through quietly together. Um, I want you to just think about um, Bible situations that you're aware of, Bible accounts that you're aware of, where touch seems to be important. Okay, Bible parts, Bible passages, Bible accounts where, where touch is important. So get, get your brains going a bit. Have a think about it yourself or if you're with others, just talk quietly and just sort of exchange a few ideas and then I'll read the three readings in a minute.
All right, hopefully that, that's a chance to get some of you thinking. Um, we now have three Bible readings. Perhaps these passages were amongst some that were mentioned by you. But the first one is in Mark chapter 1. Um, that's on page 837. So it's going to be quite wide-ranging tonight. I, su- I suspect some of the other messages in this sort of uh, loosely organised series about the senses will home in on one particular thing, but this evening will be quite wide-ranging. Mark 1, verse 40. And a leper came to him, implored us to Jesus, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him, and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Then uh, just back a few pages, Matthew 17. Matthew 17, Transfiguration account in Matthew, just reading the first eight verses, that's page 822. Matthew 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from that cloud said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And then, a little bit later in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and just uh, hopping into chapter 7 for the final verse. So, 2 Corinthians 6, that's page 967. And we're going to read from verse 14 to the first verse of chapter 7. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness, what accord has Christ with Belial, or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever, what agreement has the temple of God with idols, for we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will make my dwelling among them, and walk among them, and I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. 
Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So reads God's word. Well, our next hymn uh, is a prayer. Every line's a prayer, really. It's asking God for more of, of what we need. Perhaps, uh, perhaps some of you remember singing from Hymns for Worship, which we sang from back in the 80s and 90s. And this was one of the hymns I well remember from there. That was, uh, that was last century, if that makes some of you feel really old. Uh, but I say that because when we sang it back then, it was the prayer we needed. We needed more of God's help, more of God's strength, and, uh, and if you remember singing it back then, well, today, just as much, well, all of us, we need more of what God has to give to us. All of us are work in progress in God's kingdom, right to our last breath. And so this prayer is, is needed every day. So let's sing this thoughtfully, prayerfully together. Let's stand to sing. continue in prayer, let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, help us as we bow before you, the living God, this evening. We have sung of your glory and of your power, of your eternal nature and of your greatness. Lord, we bow before you, what else could we do? And we worship you, the living God. We read in your word that you are the creator of heaven and earth. You are the creator of the universe. Uh, In six days, you made everything good. And Lord, as we think more of your greatness and of your power, we wonder why it took you so long. 
Lord, we could never measure your power. We could never measure your wisdom or your knowledge. All of your qualities, all of your characters are eternal. They are limitless. They are immeasurable. And Lord, we bow before you. Lord, help us to humble ourselves in your presence. Help us to have that respect and fear of the Lord. We uh, are reliant on you for every breath that we breathe. Our lives are like the flower of the field that is scorched even by noontime. We are weak, we are fragile. And yet, Lord, we thank you that in your mercy uh, you hear from us. In your mercy you do not treat us how we deserve, but you are full of grace and love toward us. Lord, we commit to you this evening our the world around us and Lord we, we grieve as we see people celebrate in their sin. We see Lord the, the fallout of the celebration of sin, the brokenness of life, the despair and hopelessness that so many live in. We read in Romans that you give people over to their uh, passions, to their sinful desires, to their willful uh, rebellion against the living God before whom we should bow. And you give them over to their sins. And so, Lord, we pity the world around us in its sin. We're amazed at your wonderful grace that's made the difference in our lives. And as you look down on it all, we pray that in your anger, you will remember mercy. We're astounded at your patience and your long-suffering to a world that openly rejects you as king and sovereign and the Lord and the judge that you are. Oh Lord, how wonderful is your patience. How wonderful is your mercy. And Lord, we thank you that you would even send your son to rescue such a wretched mob as we are. Lord, we thank you that your son did everything, completed all the work he came to do, so that there is salvation for the vilest of sinners. And Lord, we thank you that includes us. We thank you that there is hope for everyone. There is hope for the person at the abortion clinic. There is hope for the person in jail. There is hope for those who march in the pride. There is hope for self-righteous sinners. There is mercy for the most wretched. Lord, what, what great news the gospel is. And Lord, as we interact with people around us who are living in open rebellion against you, Lord, we pray that you'll give us great compassion and love for them. Give us the uh, the peace of the gospel that we will share with them. Lord, that you give them a heart for those, give us a heart for those who are lost and without you. Because if it wasn't for your grace, we could easily be there. And so, Lord, we pray for those who preach your word. We know that faith comes through hearing your truth. And we pray as your word is preached here,
that is preached up and down this country. Lord, we pray that many will hear the good news, that many will be uh, brought to an end of their own uh, ambitions and brought to faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings that you have filled our lives with, and we want to thank you this evening. Lord, help us to count our blessings. We're often surprised at the way you provide for us, the way you lead us in our lives. Lord, we pray for those who are going through suffering and trial. We thank you where there's been healing given to those who have been in hospital, to those who have been ill but for where suffering is drawn out and long, for where there seems to be no uh, end in sight, we pray for your special presence and grace for our folk who are suffering in those ways. Lord, help them to cling on to you in faith. Help them to know that you hold them in your arms, that you provide daily the grace and the strength that's needed. Oh Lord, help us to learn that lesson of trust Help us to learn that lesson of dependence on you in our lives. Lord, we pray for our young people. We thank you for helping many through exams and uh, different things that have been faced through these last few months. Thank you for that many have uh, a good summer ahead of them, have plenty of time off. We pray that they will find useful and good things to be doing. Lord, we pray for those who are planning and organising camp and the YP holiday. Lord, we ask that you'd uh, bless all the arrangements for those events. And we pray that it will be a great time of your blessing on children and young people. That people will uh, encounter something of your word and your truth and the work of your Holy Spirit within their hearts. That it will be the beginning of uh, uh, their walk with you. Lord, we pray for folk who have uh, wandered away, who have uh, looked to the world for their pleasure and their fulfilment. And Lord, we, we uh, compassionately pray for them because we know that they will find in the end it to be empty and unfulfilling. When we know the joy there is in knowing Christ, Lord, we want that for them. And Lord, bless parents and uh, different people who are praying for their children, their friends, their family members. Lord, help them not to give up praying, uh, but to trust in you. We ask to see people brought into your kingdom who thought the world was a better place. And we pray you'll save them by your grace and in your mercy, we pray. Lord, we commit this coming week to you and we pray for the first Tuesday's group and ask that you'll bless their outing, you'll keep them safe. That it'll be a real time of happiness together. Uh, you'll bless them. Thank you for the uh, helpers. We, we thank you that it'll be a bit of a break for them this week in, in the catering side of things. Thank you for the many who, who organise that and put great effort into that event, which is so blessed and appreciated by so many. We pray, Lord, for the First Steps group. Lord, do uh, give energy and strength to the helpers. Lord, bless them this Thursday. We pray that it will, at the end of the morning it will feel like energy uh, well spent in serving you. We pray that good friendships and connections will be made. And Lord, we keep praying too for more children to, to stay connected with us and to begin in Sunday school. And Lord, bless that work as well. Bless our teachers, bless John and Steph, 
Uh, we thank you for the upcoming uh, summer break. We pray that it will be a time of refreshment for them. And uh, as they begin again in September, we ask for your great blessing on that work within our church. Lord, help us through this coming week in whatever we face in our employment, in our retirement, in our parenthood, in our married lives, in our singleness. Lord, would you help us to live the lives you've given us at this point in a way that honours you, we pray. So Lord, we commit our time to you now. Help John as he preaches to us. Lord, open our hearts to your word. We're aware that your word can easily be snatched away from us. It can be strangled out. It can be dehydrated. But Lord, we pray that you prepare our hearts to receive your truth and your word, that it will take good root downwards and that it will grow upwards to bring fruit to you in our lives. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're about as far away from Christmas as we can be, um, but it's good every, every day of the year to be reminded of how Jesus came into the world as our saviour. He is given as a ransom, reconciling God to man, Christ, our mighty champion. Let's sing this together.
So the Bible and touch is our theme for this evening. Uh, Not just giving us guidance about how we touch, though it will have a bearing on that, but much broader and involving much bigger themes. As I said, there's quite a lot in the Bible about touch, more than I realised. I don't want to overdo it this evening, so I've tried to cut it down. I've cut it down to six aspects that I want to just mention. Uh, All of them important. Um, It might seem a little bit of a hodgepodge of things, but... um, Hopefully not. It will shoot us in slightly different directions, uh, but there is um, there is some development within what we what we go through, and we will have three negatives and three positives if you look at it like that. So, firstly, uh, one of the things we can see in the Bible is the damaging touch. The damaging touch. Touch can damage. It can be wrong. It can be inappropriate. It can harm. So a government minister has very sadly resigned in the last few days for inappropriate touching. It's very topical. Touch is a very sensitive thing. It can be inappropriate, especially unwanted sexual touch. But in other ways, touch can be harmful Somebody might say, don't so much as lay a finger on him. In other words, don't physically harm him or hurt him. A touch that damages. And this sort of touch is in the Bible as well. Boaz, the great gent of the Old Testament in the book of Ruth. Caring for Ruth, charged the farm labourers around him, charged the men not to touch her nothing inappropriate was to happen to her. God says of Abimelech in Genesis 20 and verse 6, then God said to him in in the dream, I can't go into the background, yes I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart and it was I who kept you from sinning against me, therefore I did not let you touch her wasn't married to her. He shouldn't touch her in that way. It would have been wrong. God says of um, his appointed leaders in Psalm 105, touch not my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. So there can be a damaging touch. This is what's been behind, isn't it? The the Me Too campaign of of a couple of years ago. Inappropriate touching. Inappropriate touching can do lasting damage. Physical assault obviously damages. Unwanted sexual contact is damaging. So there's a damaging touch. I suspect you're aware of that. I hope you're aware of that. Maybe that coming up this evening is just an important reminder to have the right barriers in place, to know the right boundaries. The damaging touch, that's one aspect of this evening's theme. Um, Another one is the defiling touch. The defiling touch. So there's lots in the Old Testament about... um, a touch that defiles, that is, it, it 
makes dirty, that it makes unclean. Um, it's not quite so easy for us to relate to this. It's linked to the, the holiness laws of the Old Testament, things becoming ceremonially unclean by being touched. I think perhaps we can relate to it a little bit easier by thinking in terms of hygiene, which we can relate to. It's not exactly the same, but it has some connections. So there's someone serving food, and you see them picking an open saw and then serving the food, and you say, you can't do that, that's unhygienic. Or there's someone touching a toilet brush, and then they go to shake your hand. You think you've touched that, you can't do that. Or in COVID, it had a high profile, didn't it? Somebody has COVID and they're blowing their nose and then they pass you a plate. Contamination, defilement, catching things, uncleanness passed on. Well, that was very much the case in the Old Testament. If you touch things that were unclean or untouched certain animals or you touched things that were dead or you touched certain fluids, then you became contaminated yourself and unclean and you, you couldn't mix with people for a certain period of time. The defiling touch. But as well as being in the Old Testament, it is the imagery is used in the New Testament. Encouraging us to steer clear of things that would affect us badly spiritually. choosing uh, deep relationships with people who don't love God and are going in a different direction is one area where it's brought up in. We read 2 Corinthians 6 and where it says in verse 17 in terms of relationships and over-involvement with others which is having an effect on us, therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. And a verse later on, since therefore we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So it's possible for us to become um, defiled, affected, contaminated by entering into wrong situations, mixing inappropriately with wrong groups of people? That's a good question for us to ask. Are we, are we mixing with things or groups or doing things together that are, if you like, tainting us and bringing us down spiritually, sort of defiling us really? There is a Bible teaching of separation. There is a proud, arrogant sort of separation, a holier-than-thou separation, and that, that's, got a, that's an ugly thing. But in wanting to avoid that sort of arrogant, proud, uh, condescending attitude which is possible amongst us as Christians, there is also a right separation. A right recognising that certain situations, certain groups, getting involved with certain things is damaging for us and dishonouring to the Lord. Here's just one example, 1 Peter 4 and verse 3. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties and lawless idolatry. 
With respect to this, they're surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you, they speak against you. So it's right for Christians to realise that some involvement is just going to be bad for them and, and, and they can't cope with it and it's going to drag us down and it's going to affect us badly spiritually. It's good for us to just think, as we, before we move on to the next one, does that speak into our situation? Have we got sucked in to groups and activities and doing things which are really, it will, will, there will be a sort of touch, not a separation from those situations. The defiling touch. The third one, the last of the, the negatives, is the deadly touch. The deadly touch. Um, sometimes a touch can be deadly, can't it? So you think of an electric shock. It's funny, isn't it, what memories you have? It takes me back to um, year five, although it wasn't called year five when I was in it, but year five, and my um, teacher at primary school, which is her, and Ashdown now was Mr. Bridal, and I remember him telling us about when he was a child and playing football uh, near a, a railway um, line and the ball went over on towards the line and he said, I, I went and it was just the other side of what he now knows was a highly electrically charged unit and he leant over and picked up his football and went back. But thankfully he, he didn't touch it. Else he wouldn't have been my year five primary school teacher. Touch can be, can be deadly. And in the Old Testament, touching some things that are too holy is, is a deadly business. So Mark talked about it last week as we looked at um, the holiness of Mount Sinai, referred to in Hebrews 12, but also in Exodus 19, which we probably read then, and I'm going to read from verses 12 and 13, where Moses was told of the mountain, and you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, take care not to go up into the mountain, or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot, whether beast or man, he shall not live. So touching was deadly because it's so holy. And then there is the alarming account which you choke on when you read through, is it um, 2 Samuel? And you have the account of Uzzah who steadies uh, the ark of God which is being moved and he touches it and he dies as a result of touching the ark of God with the special contents. You think that can't happen but it does. And it's a, 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 a reminder to us of the holiness of God. These things do remind us, these deadly touches in the Old Testament, they remind us of God's holiness, that he is so special and so righteous that we cannot approach him of ourselves. We cannot have contact ourselves. We're aware of that. God dwells in unapproachable light, it says. We need God. We want God. But we are unholy. We are unclean. We cannot approach God. We need God's help. 
We need someone to break the circuit. We need someone to diffuse the situation. We need someone to take the shock on our behalf so that we can have access to God. We can meet with God. We can be with God. We can be welcomed by God. We can be part of his family. And we heard of that last week. But the build-up to it was the deadly touch, which is a reminder of the holiness of God, which we need to keep in mind. So the three, um, if you like, more negative, important, important for us to realise, but the damaging touch, defiling touch, the deadly touch. And now on to um, the positive ones. The convincing touch or a certain touch, I've actually got it down here, but I wrote it differently on my PowerPoint, didn't I? A certain touch, the convincing touch. So we're coming to the New Testament a bit more for these three, but there's overlap in both. First ones in the New Testament, these ones in the Old. When we think of relating to God, we thought of the fact that we can't approach him because of his holiness. But also, we can't touch God because God is a spirit. But in the New Testament, hence us singing a rather Christmassy song, early in July, we're taught about God condescending to come down. The Son of God coming in the flesh, the incarnation, as it is called sometimes. Joy has dawned, we sang. And the Bible never really gets over the wonder of that, God, the Son of God, becoming flesh. And we should never get over the wonder of that. And as God reveals himself in this way and is known through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, It gives a way of certainly knowing who God is. So, this helps a bit. Imagine you saw someone important, or who most people regard as important. You saw a member of the royal family, or you saw a famous uh, sports person. Uh, You could see them from a distance. I think it's over there. I think I recognise over there. You could see him or her close up. Or you could be close enough to brush brush shoulders. I brushed shoulders with David Beckham. Or I was so close to Princess Kate that I touched her coat. And there would be a, a, a sort of an escalation of the certainty. You, you, were, you didn't just see, you touched. It's certain, it's definite, it's convincing. You were there. And it's a little bit like that as John writes his first letter, 1 John, the Apostle John, and he's speaking of the coming of the Saviour into the world. So this disciple then puts in his letter, in quite lofty language, but I hope you can get a handle on it, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked on and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And John could say, I've touched him. 
I've been next to him. I've been at the table with him. We've passed things to each other. God has come and I have seen him. And he conveys it to these people to convince them of the truth of God being revealed in human flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. But that theme of certainty, in relation to touch, is picked up again in the resurrection accounts. So Jesus raised again to life and he presents himself to his disciples. And it's not a hallucination and it's not a ghost and it's not a hologram. Luke 24, verse 38. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that is, as I myself touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Remember Thomas, unless I put my finger in the nails of his hands and then the next week the offer of Jesus to him, to Thomas, that he should put his finger and touch the very body of the wounded Jesus. And we, we have their records. I have touched the Son of God. I have touched the resurrected Christ. And that account of touch gives us certainty and acts as something which is convincing. And if tonight you come with doubts and concerns and questions, maybe this line of thought from the Bible is a help to you, the certainty of those accounts of touch. I think this one is probably the one that you may be, most of you got in some way when you discussed it earlier. I called it the compassionate touch, although I could also call it the cleansing touch. Compassionate cleansing touch. I think this is one of the most uh, staggering aspects of our little tour around this theme in the Bible this evening. The compassionate touch. Touch was important in the actions of Jesus. Um, Touch often conveys things, it it transmits things, it it does things, certainly does today. You have a touch screen and you do things just by touching it. In fact, in many ways, most of the things that happen in our world at the minute seem to be facilitated, not necessarily by the touch of a button, but by the touch of a screen. Touching things makes things happen. And the touch of Jesus made things happen. Maybe you can think of examples. Can you think of examples where touching in the life of Jesus had a, an effect on things around, people around? Well, I love the account we read of, of in Mark chapter 1. I just think verse 41. So I, this evening is on various parts of the Bible, but I have to pick one verse to sort of put it in my filing system in an appropriate place. And I picked Mark 1, 41 as my sort of headline verse. Here it is. 
talking of Jesus and the leper, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Well, he shouldn't touch him. A leper was unclean. You were not supposed to touch a leper. And if you did, you became unclean yourself. But here Jesus, the Son of God, chooses in compassion to touch the leper. And it's not a case of Jesus becoming unclean, but the leper becomes clean and becomes healed. What a wonderful picture of compassion and cleansing. And you have other situations. Jesus touched the coffin of the young man in Luke 7 and performed a miracle. And Jesus comes across some blind men and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says that we might have our eyes open and he touched their eyes and they saw. And there was the deaf and dumb man and Jesus approached him and he put his fingers in his ears and he touched his tongue and he both heard and spoke And Peter had whipped off the ear of uh, somebody at the uh, scene of the arrest and Jesus just touches the ear and it all comes back and mends. And you have the touching power of Jesus to make whole, to make clean, to make better, to make function and he does it through his compassionate, kind touching. Well, we're not in a position to be physically touched by Jesus, and nor is physical healing our greatest need, according to the Bible. But it all conveys to us and reminds us of the the willingness of Jesus, the, the power of Jesus to make us whole, to make us clean, to restore our spiritual sight, to restore our spiritual deafness, to give us words to say, that if some other aspect of this evening has reminded us of things in the past which we feel so unclean about, that we are reminded of the cleansing power of the Saviour. And uh, it made me think of my baptism choice of him. So we're going back a a long time now, back to 1985, and it maybe seems quite a a strange one to you. Um, It's quite an old one. Uh, I've just updated some of the, the words to make it a little bit easier for uh, for those who would find it difficult. We don't tend to sing it these days, but it, it fits in here. And it's wonderfully encouraging. Healess Emmanuel, hear our prayer. We wait to feel your touch. Deep wounded souls to you repair. And Saviour, we are such. Our faith is feeble, we confess We faintly trust your word. But will you pity us the less? Be that far from you, Lord. Remember him who once applied with trembling for relief. Lord, I believe. With tears he cried, oh help my unbelief. She too who touched you in the press, the crowd, and healing virtue stole, was answered, daughter, go in peace. Your faith has made you whole. Like her, with hopes and fears we come to touch you if we may. Oh, send us not despairing home. Send none unhealed away. She conveys the healing, wholesome, restoring power of Christ through the gospel as we come to him 
in faith. Uh, Perhaps be encouraged this evening, if you're feeling tentative, a bit like the the person who wrote this hymn, and as I was in those days, if you're feeling unsure, be encouraged that the, the hymn that encouraged me many years ago, might be something that encourages you this evening to realise the willingness of the Saviour for those in need to, to reach out and touch them and make them whole spiritually, forgive them. Another older hymn finishes like this in its last two verses. It's as evening when the sun was set. O Saviour Christ, you too are man, You have been troubled, tempted, tried. Your kind but searching glance can scan the very wounds that shame would hide. Your touch has still its ancient power. No word from you can fruitless fall. Here in this solemn evening hour and in your mercy heal us all. That's a compassionate, cleansing touch of Christ. And then our sixth one this evening is the consoling touch. Um, So there are dangers in touch as we've heard and some touch can be wrong and damaging as we saw in our first point this evening. But we mustn't forget the power and the encouragement of good physical contact touches God's gift when used rightly. I've been reading a book, others of us have read it in the last six months, about uh, understanding those who are grieving. Uh, And one of the things that comes out is so often that the hug speaks louder than words, appropriate physical contact can just be such a strength and a help to those who are hurting so much. I remember hearing about for older people that in their, well, in their latter years when they're sometimes anxious and confused, the importance of, of, of just an arm or a touching them is very consoling and, and helpful and settling for them. Of course, for children, if some children are starved of the natural affection and care of their relatives, that's a, that's a sore experience for them in the early years, which they find hard then to adjust to. No, it's a good thing, appropriate touch, biblically, good touch is a God-given gift. And several times in the Bible, where there are people who are desperately frightened, they are reassured and encouraged by touch. Maybe you can think of some. In the Old Testament, happened to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel. They've been traumatised by their views of God. They're touched and it restores, encourages, helps them to move on. But in the New Testament too, and that's why we read Matthew chapter 17, the transfiguration account, verse 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came up and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that tender? Isn't that encouraging? Terrified disciples. What does Jesus do? Put his arm on their shoulder maybe? 
arm, arm under their shoulder, lifts them up maybe, pats them on the back maybe, rise and have no fear. Last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 1. This is John again, but in a different experience. He has a vision of the glory of Jesus Christ. Verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. What did he do? But he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not. If the touch of God lifts, strengthens, takes away the terror, And that's an encouragement for us. We're gripped with a sense of our inadequacy and what we're facing. And it's lovely to think of the touch of God in encouraging, consoling, restoring. We feel a bit almost paralysed about going forward with what we've got to go through. And as if in his love and concern for us to go forward, he pats us on the back lifts us upwards and said, go on in my strength. The consoling touch of God. The Holy Spirit. The comforter who comes alongside. So we've done just a a little tour, haven't we, of features of touch in the Bible. Three more cautionary. The damage in touch the defiling touch, the deadly touch, and three more encouraging. The certain touch, convincing touch, the compassionate touch, and the consoling touch. Well, we sometimes just have a, a minute or two for people to personally reflect, and maybe they're, they're one of those elements that we've looked at this evening, especially helpful to you in your situation, so i just give you a minute or so to to grab it, think about it, and turn it into a personal prayer in the quiet. Well, our final song really picks up on that last point, the consoling touch. Um, it's, it's a song, uh, we have sung it before, so it will be familiar to some of you, um, but it was actually written after the, in the, in the light of the Aberfan d- disaster of last century, which is a tremendously sad episode in Wales, and then somebody wrote to him in the light of it, and it, it is then one that can speak down to us in our sadness and our fear and our sense of being paralysed and it seemed an appropriate one to end on in terms of the consoling touch of God. God who knows our darkest moments, meets us in our brokenness, walks beside us as a whisper, 
holds our pain in his caress. of truth which we have uh, been able to consider this evening in this biblical theme and we do pray that the Holy Spirit may use different aspects of it to address, to help, to direct different ones of us in our pathway through life, in our pathway of faith. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.